Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. It is Allison Kilkenny, your host. I am flying solo today, mostly because I forgot to book a co-host. And sometimes I wake up in a panic on Saturday mornings like, oh no, I've done it again. But it'll be okay because uh, we've been here before. Sometimes I host the show by myself. Sometimes I have a co-host. Both are good. Both are valid. This is a safe space. Don't judge me. Uh, Also, I was sort of debating when I should record this week's recap because, as we all know, the South Carolina caucus is happening today. So... Not going to have the results for you about that, but we'll discuss it next week along with Super Tuesday stuff, I'm sure. When will this nightmare end? Who knows? Hello, everyone. We're in the pop culture section right now. If you're new to the show, here's how the show works. It's divided into thirds. Uh, We do pop culture recommendations. Then we go into some bad news. Uh Uh-oh, but don't worry. We end things with Good news always. So, recommendations. Guys, I've been watching a lot of stuff. First of all, can I open the pop culture section with a hot take? Is everybody ready? Is everybody sitting down? Do you have, are you clutching your childhood teddy bear? Okay, great. Here are some of my hot takes. First of all, I have expressed on the show how I felt about Uncut Gems. I thought it was a very effective movie that was not for me okay let's say that it is a two hour long panic attack and I was like no thank you sirs this is how I feel anyway so why would I go to the movies to feel this way so just not for me but again very effective very stylish um Adam Sandler was good I guess I I didn't I think his performance was overhyped but he was good uh, but I watched Good Time, which is available on Netflix right now, and I liked it way more than Uncut Gems. Don't know why. Maybe it was because I was braced for that level of anxiety. Uh, maybe because I like Robert Pattinson more. I don't know. But I, you know, had issues with it. Like, I have issues with all the Safdie Brothers movies, but I, I enjoyed it more. So, have you seen Good Time? Did you like it more or less than Uncut Gems? Let's get communicative. Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Tell me what you're watching. What's going on? Also, I finally got to see You Were Never Really There. And here's my other film hot take. I think Joaquin Phoenix should have won for that over Joker. Uh, You Were Never Really Here is certainly a better film than Joker. And also, I have a feeling Todd Phillips saw You Were Never Really Here and was like, that dude should play Joker. (laughs) It just, it has a lot of weird parallels with Joker. Uh, He, I won't give any spoilers away for You Were Never Really Here, but he's a very disturbed man living alone with his mother. Does this sound familiar to anyone? I don't know. I don't know what the timeline of production was for either film or if that even makes sense that maybe Todd Phillips saw a Joker and then, or I'm sorry, saw You Were Never Really Here and was inspired to make Joker or if they were filming them simultaneously. Who knows? But it felt eerily similar to me and also Joaquin Phoenix is way better in You Were Never Really Here. 
So if you were like, I wonder what a sort of feminist joker would be like, watch, you were never really here. So I have a bone to pick with everyone. And I'm going to try to stay calm about this. People sort of lightly recommended Ma to me, the horror film Ma, uh, in, in a way that was like, oh, it's really fun. It's very weird. If you're a fan of horror, if you're a fan of Octavia Spencer, check it out. And I was always like, yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll get around to it when I can. If anyone, if any one of you motherfuckers had told me that that film also has Allison Janney playing a sassy vet, I would have run to the theater. Run. I would be shoving strangers out of my way. But not one single one of you motherfuckers mentioned Allison Janney. And I don't know, maybe you thought that was a spoiler and you were just trying to protect me. But oh my God, as soon as she showed up on the screen, I went, fuck this. Fuck everyone. How do you, okay, I'm getting worked up. How do you withhold from me that Allison Janney is playing a sassy vet? I just, I thought I knew you people. And apparently I don't. But anyway, Ma is super, just off the rails fun. Highly recommended. And... In keeping with the theme of recommending off-the-rail things, <clears throat> is anybody watching The Stranger on Netflix? Because I need to talk about it. And I'm going to talk about it in a non-spoilery way because it is one of those shows where every single episode just ends with the most fucking off-the-walls twist ever. So there's really no way to talk about the context of it without spoiling it. But the very, very general recap is there's a ostensibly happily married upper class suburban family, a, a husband and a wife and their two kids. And then one day a stranger approaches the husband and reveals some secrets about the wife. And that sort of sets everything off. <clears throat> So it's been called the UK's Big Little Lies, which I I see, but also I think it's even wackier than Big Little Lies. <laughs> it is, it's just well done enough that you keep watching, but it is fucking wild. So I highly recommend if you just want like a bizarre drama slash thriller slash mystery. Uh, that you can binge watch really quickly. That would be The Stranger. Is anyone watching The Stranger? Please don't spoil anything for me. I'm only on episode six. I mean, there are only eight episodes because, again, the UK. And they're like, we'll get out of your hair. We don't want to take up too much time. We're sorry. By the way, thank you for watching us. We're bad. Uh, that's the general spirit of any UK series. They're like, we'll get in, we'll get out real, real fast, real fast. Uh, so yeah, feelings, this was recommended to me by an older lady I know. So I don't know if, <laughs> are the kids watching The Stranger? I don't know what's happening. Let me know. Uh, also I have been going through one of those, the top 30 films of the past decade, which is why I saw You Were Never Really Here 
on that same list, uh, Widows. Finally got to see Widows. Oh, man, that movie's good. And I remember at the time I really wanted to see it in the theater, never got around to it. And it's frustrating because it is one of those films that, like, we should all go, we should all support. And it happens to be a great film as well. Um, and then to switch gears entirely, if you're like, hey, you were never really hearing Widows sound kind of intense, and Octavia Spencer might scare me and Ma, if you're looking for something very light, very airy, something that you can just put on, uh, and relax, you gotta check out Next in Fashion on Netflix, Tan Fran, and a uh, lady, <laughs> I forget her name, uh, uh, I think she's a model, uh, they're great, they got good chemistry, they're really funny, and it is just, it's like if Project Runway was on an episode of Queer Eye, like a very, very positive fashion show with designers who are very, like, supportive of each other, very loving, and, not to brag, but, um, the designers I picked in episode one to win fucking won, uh, the whole thing, or one of the designers, I should say, and I won't say who, I won't say who, because I'm not gonna ruin it for you, but just know I pick winners, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, do check it out, very, very funny, uh, very funny, very good. I'm very funny. I was making myself laugh. Uh, guys, I don't need a co-host. I am having a good time right now. So what are you watching now, right now? Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Uh, let me know. I'm always looking for stuff to watch, listen to, read. One of my major goals for 2020 is I have to read more. I just have to figure out a time when I can do it because... She's busy. Right after I'm done recording this, I'm running to a rehearsal, and then I have to run home to edit some sketches. And it's like, when am I supposed to read? I guess I could read on the subway, but that's when I listen to podcasts. And if I start reading on the subway, when am I going to listen to my podcasts? Guys, there's not enough time in the day. But if you have any, any recommendations for books as well, let me know. Uh, and, yeah, hopefully I'll start talking about books more on the show since all I recommend is stuff I watch on Netflix. But you know what? When she gets home at the end of the day, she's tired. She just wants to relax. And that's what Netflix is for, right? Netflix should sponsor me. They won't. But uh, mm, I would recommend they do. Guys, on that note, is it going to be a short pop culture section? Wait, is there anything more I wanted to say about... I guess I really didn't get into Widows, but... I feel like it's one of those recommendations where it's been out for a while. So I'm like, am I going to recap the plot of Widows on this podcast? You know the gist of it. It's a, it's a heist film starring a bunch of great ladies. And it's really, really stylized. And the action scenes are nuts. Um, and it's great. You should check it out. Yeah, I guess if I'm trying to stay spoiler free. Um, and something I'm very excited about that I'm probably going to talk about next week, question mark. I forget when I'm actually going to see it. I'll have a review for The Invisible Man as well. I'm very excited about that. Here it's great. Um, what, a, what a perfect film to come out at this moment in time. And actually, one of the stories we're going to get to ties in all of that. So let's not delay it any further, guys. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news.
Boy, I apologize if my voice sounds weird right now. You know when you think you're over a cold and then you have to record an hour-long podcast by yourself uh, with an unending or uninterrupted stream of verbal spewage and suddenly you're like, oh, my voice is not fully recovered. So I apologize if I sound a little shaky. Um, but this is a good lead into what I wanted to talk about in the bad news section because I want to talk about the coronavirus and I'm sick. So let's do this. Can I just open by saying that to the progressives I've seen tweeting, if you're sick, stay home. I think fundamentally don't understand what's wrong with healthcare in the United States. Because listen, uh, if you're a contractor, you don't get sick days. So you lose money if you stay home and you can't pay rent. So the reason some people go to work sick is because they're trying to survive. And if you are anti that, if you're like annoyed, like, don't come to the office, you're sick, you'll get us all sick. Uh, I am sympathetic, but you should be pushing really hard for Medicare for all and a universal basic income. Because those two things would go a long way to allowing sick people to stay home when they need to be home and rest and recover. But getting mad at the person feels not like what progressives should do, right? Uh, And I think in general, it's a shitty response when someone's sick to be like, "Ah, get away from me. Even though I understand because, you know, none of us have good insurance (laughs) for the most part. So, like, I think it's a fear-based response that I understand. But it's just a shitty way to live. Don't do that. Uh, Anyway, sorry. Sorry for that rant. Uh, I wanted to talk about Trump (laughs) talking about the coronavirus and doing two things at once that contradict each other, but of course his fans don't care because not a group of deep thinkers. But he was at one of his uh, weird rallies where he's given a rambling speech in South Carolina. And he said, again, simultaneously, that the coronavirus outbreak is most likely linked to democratic immigration policies, which is not true, obviously, Uh, and also called coronavirus a new hoax perpetrated by, I guess, his enemies, the media, etc. So it's both not real, and it is real, and it's a Democrat's fault. Uh, And again, not a group of deep thinkers. Uh, Trump supporters were like, yes, both of those things are real and true and exist at the same time and can exist at the same time. Uh, So again, it's a hoax, um, but also real and the Democrats' fault. So I had tweeted, I think a few weeks ago, just for sort of everybody to stay calm and not freak out about coronavirus wash your hands, you know, just just basic hygiene. Um, also, in terms of casualties, there's been very, very few casualties outside of China. And even if you do get coronavirus, it's not like a death sentence. It's a really, really bad flu that can get out of hand if, like, you don't go to the doctor. So, and again, I'm not, I don't want to be flippant about that because I know not everybody can go to a doctor or like maybe would hesitate to go to a doctor because, you know, you don't want a big bill and that might, you know, motivate you to stay home and then things could get worse and get out of hand. So I'm not trying to downplay like the seriousness of it, 
But I will say, you know, watching people start to panic, watching Trump announce that this is a hoax, uh, that has started to worry me because the, the outbreak itself is like manageable, right? It'll be bad, but it's manageable. And it'll probably, I should say, also get worse because there's been, I think, new confirmed cases of it in California and Oregon and Texas. So it will probably spread more in the United States. Blah, blah, blah. This is how an outbreak works. Although, you know, uh, the World Health Organization has said it's not a pandemic yet. It doesn't hit those qualifications. So everybody calling it a pandemic, that's still not technically true. Outbreak. Um, so I was like, I think at this moment in time, it would benefit us all to remain calm, to just practice basic hygiene. Again, I don't think those dumb face masks do anything, but if they make you feel better, sure, wear it. Um, but what could potentially be very, very, very bad is obviously this terrible administration's handling of the coronavirus outbreak. So we have, on the one hand, Donald Trump calling it a hoax, which, oh boy, what don't we need in this moment? More misinformation. Um, you know, Trump is always the one accusing other people of fake news, but this is one of the biggest fake news stories that he could peddle himself, which is calling a very real outbreak a hoax is dangerous. You know, people won't take the coronavirus seriously. Or or the flip side of it is they'll take it too seriously and link it to his bullshit about democratic immigration policies and attack people of color who they perceive as being immigrants, um, whether they are immigrants or not. You know, so it, it, on both sides of it, whether people take it not seriously enough and call it a, a hoax or take it way too seriously and get very, very scared uh, and lash out at people they perceive to be the cause of the virus spreading. Uh, both scenarios are bad, and he's pushing both of those scenarios at the same time. It's like, whether you want to reject science or attack immigrants, he has you covered. And also, by the way, that's his base. People who reject science and hate immigrants. So he knows what he's doing, right? Um, he's hitting both of those notes at the same time, and they're fucking eating it up. Anyway, so... Uh, the other aspect of the administration, I don't want to even say like handling the coronavirus stuff because it's the opposite, but the White House on Thursday announced that they were trying to tighten control of coronavirus messaging by government health officials and scientists and directed them to coordinate all statements and public appearances with Mike fucking Pence. So now if you're a scientist and you have a very important update for the public about coronavirus, you have to first go to Mike Pence and be like, hi, I'm sorry to bother you. Can I save lives? And Mike Pence of all fucking people, let's not forget, responsible for a statewide HIV outbreak uh, by, by closing facilities um, and facilitating the spread of HIV, is not really the person I would want to put in charge of any kind of public health coordination like this is the guy this is the guy we want like mr jesus pray the sickness away <laughs> we want him in charge of any kind of response to the coronavirus 
I don't know. Guys, I don't want to be controversial, but I'm going to say that's a bad idea. A very bad idea. Um, so, and by the way, like, I've sort of hesitated to talk about the coronavirus because I do think there's a lot of panic and, and misinformation right now uh, out there. And I want to talk about it because it's an important story, but I don't want to, like, make people scared. So I'm trying to walk that line, if you couldn't tell <laughs> by my constant hedging. It is an important story, but also mm, everybody calm the fuck down because panic never helps anything. So, oh, right. Also in coronavirus news, uh, I wanted to talk about the administration, when they do talk about the coronavirus, it's like never good. So they were talking about um, a potentially a vaccine for the coronavirus. So Representative Jan Schakowsky, uh asked Alex Azar, uh, who is the Health and Human Services Secretary, and also, let's not forget, anti-abortion crusader. So he was testifying about the coronavirus, and Representative Jan Schakowsky asked Azar whether a coronavirus vaccine, when available, would be affordable to all Americans. <laughs> you know, like, okay, if we potentially get a vaccine, can anyone actually get this vaccine? Great question, Jan. Thank you. So his answer was concerning. He said, quote, we would want to ensure that we work to make it affordable, but we can't control that price because we need the private sector to invest. Price control won't get us there. Okay. So <clears throat> I guess they're in there, uh, so much, right? <laughs> because is he saying that research and development is never funded by the public? Because that's not true. I mean, the whole reason we have the internet is because of taxpayers funding government research and development. So that's just patently false. Like, we, we could make it affordable. Uh, and also, like, private equity, it does play a big role in developing drugs like this. But then doesn't that, doesn't that suggest that we should critique this larger system of capitalism and, like, the private sector and how the private sector makes medicine and how they price it. And it seems like if that is indeed true, that's a really fucked system and we should probably dismantle it, right? Like how many stories have we seen about people dying because they can't afford their insulin or their inhalers? And it's like, yeah, this, this whole system seems pretty fucked up. And like, maybe it should go. I don't know. Medicare for all. It's the only way we won't all die. Uh, so, guys, what do I want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Why does Chris Matthews still have a job? And I mean that with all the sincerity in my little heart. Why the fuck does MSNBC still employ Chris Matthews in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ 2020? Why? Is it that he's considered a pillar of the institution? I can't possibly think that's true. Is it just that he's buddies with the guys in charge at MSNBC? That I would buy way more. 
Like, what is going on? Why is he considered a precious jewel that they can't possibly do without? It's so weird. But anyway, the reason I'm bringing up Chris Matthews is um, he uh, there was a quite a bit of backlash to his questioning of Elizabeth Warren when he was a moderator during the debates, when he was questioning her about the allegations of... Uh, sexual harassment and inappropriate comments by Mike Bloomberg to uh, co-workers, staffers, employees. And basically they had this really tense back and forth where Chris Matthews sort of was spewing the the same bullshit uh, line of questioning that we're used to, which is, you know, like, how can you believe the women, basically? (laughs) And Elizabeth Warren's response is just, because I believe them, which is like for us is sort of like, yeah, self-evident. Like why would anybody put themselves in this position if it wasn't true? And like the same old bullshit of like, well, they're trying to get rich. And it's like, really show me one single woman (laughs) who or accuser who made themselves rich by, by enduring like a media onslaught by coming forward. So they had this really tense back and forth and everyone was like, ew, Chris Matthews. But as a result of that, there's been a little more focus on Chris Matthews and the fact that there have been allegations about Chris Matthews for a while by people who have been on his shows, who have worked with him. He has had multiple allegations uh, brought forth about him uh, concerning sexual harassment And most recently, Laura Bassett, who's appeared on his show, I think, a few times, um, has accused him of sexual harassment. And she alleges that he harassed her in 2006. Um, You know, I won't get into it. I'll link to the piece. But basically, he's a creeper. He creeps on his uh, female guests in an upsetting way. This has been... In the rumor mill for a while, people have been talking about it. People know about it. And by the way, he's not the only MSNBC host who has allegations like that against them. But because of the whole Elizabeth Warren exchange during the debate, there's like a new focus on him, which I think potentially could be good because maybe we can get him the fuck off MSNBC. Like between his not so veiled anti Semitic remarks about Bernie Sanders constantly sexually harassing people including his own guests. It's like, why Why does this guy have a platform? He's not adding anything valuable to the national dialogue. He has the dumbest analysis, maybe on television. I'm including Fox News, guys. <laughs> so that's saying a lot. But like, if you ever want to, if you're like a Chris Matthews fan, I don't know why you're listening to this show, but if you want to instantly lose respect for him, just go watch his response to Bush's mission accomplished speech. He's practically jerking it on air. It is truly one of the most embarrassing performances by a media figure I've ever seen. I don't know how he had a job after that, but here we are. In the year of our Lord Jesus Christ 2020, why does Chris Matthews have a job on MSNBC? How do we take his job from him? (laughs) Is my question. Because, Jesus, it's, it's embarrassing, but also... Like, the fact that you can 
ask someone who's a guest on your show while they're getting their makeup done, why haven't I fallen in love with you yet? Ew, what? What is wrong with you, you relic? Ugh, God. Mm, can you tell I don't like them? Uh, is that all I wanted to talk about? Yes. No, 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 no. Sorry. One more thing. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the Supreme Court saying the family of a Mexican teen can't sue a Border Patrol agent who fatally shot him. By the way, shot him on the, the Mexico side. So the Supreme Court on Tuesday ruled that a Border Patrol agent who fired from U.S. soil and fatally shot a child on the Mexican side of the border can't be sued by his family. It was one of those 5-4 rulings with a dissent from Ginsburg. Uh, and they chose to dismiss the case against the agent because 15-year-old Sergio Adrian Hernandez Grecia, Grega, wasn't on U.S. soil when he was killed. Um, so the court's decision not only bars Hernandez's family from suing Border Patrol agent uh, Jesus Mesa for damages but also makes it harder for all foreign nationals to sue federal officers for civil rights violations. So obviously this sets a very, very dangerous precedent. Um, yeah, so, so uh, of course, Justice Alito, <laughs> writing for the majority, said the case has foreign relations and national security implications and said it's Congress who should decide whether lawsuits such as the one before them should should be allowed to go forward. Uh, and then the dissenting opinion written by, as I said, Ginsburg, said the family should be able to sue when a U.S. officer acts on one side of the border, even though the impact of the action has suffered abroad. Ginsburg also disagreed with Alito and said neither U.S. foreign policy nor its national security is endangered by the litigation. Mesa's allegedly unwarranted deployment of deadly force occurred on United States soil, Ginsburg wrote. It scarcely makes sense for a remedy trained on deterring rogue officer conduct to turn upon a happenstance subsequent to the conduct, a bullet landing in one half of a culvert, not the other. Yeah, I mean, that's a sense. The crime was committed on U.S. soil. Who the fuck cares that his death was on the Mexican side? And again, it sets a very dangerous precedent because now it's like, well, can all federal agents just go ham on on foreign relations now because there'll be no consequences as long as you do it on the right side of the border, meaning the non-U.S. side? Uh, guys, that's enough of the bad. Let's talk about some good news. Here's your good news. <laughs> Okay, first of all, I want to shout out Bad Bunny because we love a public act of solidarity. So Bad Bunny uh, appeared on Fallon, I believe Thursday night. And uh, he, during this performance, wore a T-shirt um that had the message on it, uh, 
Mataran a Alexa no a un hombre con falda. I apologize for my pronunciation, which translates to they killed Alexa, not a man in a skirt. And this refers to Alexa, a transgender woman murdered in Puerto Rico this week. And the media covered it by not acknowledging that Alexa was a transgender woman. They covered it by repeatedly calling her a man in a skirt. Um, So Bad Bunny chose to use his appearance, and he was also revealing a cover for his next album, um, to platform this injustice, and we love to see it. So I just wanted to shout him out because that was very, very cool. And also not something that he needed to do or that anyone would have been like, it's weird that Bad Bunny didn't comment on Alexa and how Alexa was mistreated by the media. So I really admire people who have an opportunity where it's like, how often am I going to be performing in front of millions of people? Although for Bad Bunny, I don't know, maybe. Maybe that will happen a lot for them. But (laughs) in that moment, I thought it was really cool. It's like, how often do you have that platform? And how many people are going to start talking about Alexa and how Alexa was mistreated by the press in Puerto Rico now because of his act of bravery. And it is brave to put yourself out there like that. So hell yeah, Bad Bunny. Uh, Also in good news, I mean, we absolutely have to count the guilty verdict of Harvey Weinstein, right? And I'm always tentative to celebrate or put guilty verdicts jail time in the good news section because again we we don't want to be carceral liberals but oh my god if there was ever anyone who should be removed from society it might be Harvey Weinstein (laughs) I mean it's definitely Harvey Weinstein but also it was just so sad to see so many people be resigned before the the verdict even came down because we've been trained to expect the justice system to fail victims right people were like he's not gonna go to jail he's gonna get off and also I'm trying to be I'm tentative to celebrate this too much because I think the sentencing period was between five and 25 years so if he gets five years and then like I mean that can just keep getting whittled down because you know he keeps doing his sick man act where he's like I need a walker until he needs to like walk out of the the prison or walk out of the courthouse, in which case suddenly he doesn't need the walker anymore. And it's like, okay. Uh, first thing he did was ask to be taken to a hospital to delay having to go to Rikers because he said he had chest pains. So, I mean, they literally, they clearly have a game plan where they're going to try to keep him out of jail as much as possible. So who knows ultimately how long he will go to jail for. But the reason I'm putting this in the good news section isn't because like, he's going to get however many years in jail. It's that it it feels like a real turning point in the Me Too era. And I hopefully it will result in the myth of the perfect victim fucking finally dying. Um, because what Harvey Weinstein's evil lawyer was trying to do during the trial was poke holes in the testimony of all of Harvey Weinstein's victims by implying that they invited him into their hotel rooms or they went to his hotel room late at night. 
that they continued texting him after the assaults and that they were basically trying to portray them as imperfect victims, right? Like not acting like we have been taught to believe rape victims would act like, which by the way is bullshit. I mean, all the time victims continue to talk to their rapists because, hey, guess what? Sometimes it takes a while to process what happened to you. Sometimes uh, the dude who raped you is a really, really powerful movie producer and you're trying to be an actress and you don't want to get blacklisted in Hollywood for all time. So you continue to talk to him. You continue to try to be pleasant to him because you want a career in acting. So I'm encouraged by the results of this trial because it seemed like the jury really didn't buy Harvey Weinstein's lawyer's strategy, was, which was to discredit these, these victims. Now, having said that, he was found not guilty of the two most serious charges. So, like, there was at least enough of a question in their minds where they didn't convict him on the two most serious charges. So maybe she was effective. Effective enough to not... I mean, he was looking at life in prison. So she was at least effective enough where he's not going to go to jail for life. But clearly the jury was like, but something did happen. And he is a predator. And we need to convict him for something. So is it an overwhelmingly positive outcome? No. But it does feel like something significant shifted. Where I feel like if this had happened 10 years ago, maybe not even that long ago, but let's say 10 years ago, I think he would have gotten off entirely. I think that strategy of saying these women are not behaving like a classic victim would, would have been effective. But there were enough, there were enough people on that jury who were like, I don't buy that. And I think that's, that's definitely good, right? So also in good news, and this just happened, guys, breaking news, not really. <laughs> Again, by the time you guys all hear it, no longer breaking news. But uh, the U.S. has signed a deal uh, where they have committed to withdrawing from Afghanistan uh, within 14 months. So they signed this peace deal with the Taliban. Um, again, I, I hate having to put so many caveats around the good news stories. But, you know, we're the United States. Do we ever actually withdraw from anywhere? It, it, we have to wait and see, right? But at least right now, the United States has agreed uh, after 18 years. Oh, man. After 18 years to withdraw from Afghanistan. Uh, under the agreement, the U.S. would draw its forces down to 8,600 from 13,000 in the next three to four months, with the remaining U.S. forces withdrawing in 14 months. Um, but, do 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 the complete pullout would depend on the Taliban meeting their commitments to prevent terrorism. <laughs> so again, even, even in this agreement, it's like, oh boy, there's so much wiggle room. How do we define terrorism? Um, if there's a single act, do the troops come back? So yeah, but um, I'm putting in the good news section because, man, 18 years. What were you guys doing 18 years ago? So that was 2002. Uh, what was I doing in 2002? I was still in school. I was a sophomore in college. 
And I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. I mean, I do. I was smoking weed. But other than that, I think um, it was a weird time to be in college uh, during September 11th. Because it sort of was like, when you're in college, you're planning for a future. And in that moment, it was like, we didn't know what the future was. So it was like, why am I in school? <laughs> it was like a lot of existential crises happening, I think. I mean, I'm sure that's still the case with college students because holy shit. Imagine being 19 and people being like, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And you're like, ah, and they're like, ah, uh, everybody calm down. But yeah, I just remember sort of being like, wow, the world is changing really fast. And I'm in Illinois State University. And what am I doing? Um, and now it's 2020. And I'm like, what am I doing? So like, <laughs> that never goes away. If there's any young people listening and you're like, uh, adults really seem like they have their shit together. They don't. None of them do. Nobody knows what they're doing. We're all making it up as we go along. Um, life is chaotic. So, guys, I cannot wait for this primary to be over. Although I will say, and I'm going to put this in the good news section, because I feel like some people are demoralized right now watching people who largely agree on, I think probably like 90% of the issues, fighting on Twitter because we have Camp Warren and we have Camp Sanders, right? But I think especially those of us who remember uh, Hillary Clinton's supporters, <laughs> um, the Pumas, party unity my ass during the, uh, the Obama-Hillary primary, uh, this looks positively civil in response to that, I think, if my memory serves correctly. And, like, I don't know. Here's the thing. Uh, I know we're all very heated. I know that we want to support our candidates. If there is a Sanders supporter who has, I don't know, 50 followers on Twitter who tweets some nonsense at you that, that might be sexist, racist, whatever... I don't think that we necessarily have to claim that in any way represents the Bernie Sanders campaign. That to me feels like a bad faith argument. That to me feels very disingenuous. Are there racist supporters of Bernie Sanders? Yes. Are there racist supporters of Elizabeth Warren? Yes. You can find those people. But ultimately, I think the criticism has been that the Sanders campaign doesn't take the Bernie bros thing very seriously. And I think the Bernie Sanders campaign has always been like, obviously we don't condone that behavior, but it is impossible to control the behavior of every single one of your supporters. And to ask them to do that and ask them to get off the larger messaging of what they're running for so they can deal with trolls on Twitter feels a little silly. Um, but having said all that, I I would never put Warren supporters anywhere in the sphere of Hillary Clinton supporters. Like that to me just felt like a different level of of hostility. So as bad as things are right now, as tense as they are right now, I don't know. Guys, I'm saying all this because I went to karaoke the other night and I was in the bathroom. There were a bunch of like three younger girls in there and they were all Elizabeth Warren supporters and they were all very giggly and excited. And I was like, good for, f good for you. Good for you. Uh, and 
I don't know. It was it was really nice to see how excited they were for their candidate. And I was like, but I also believe that if Bernie Sanders was the nominee, those young women would throw their support behind him because I think they they just want a candidate who will make the world a better place. And they happen to support Elizabeth Warren. That's great. But when push comes to shove, I really, really doubt there's going to be progressives who are like, I'm not going to vote for, you know, whoever it is, whoever. I mean, oh, my God, unless it's Joe Biden. Listen, if Joe Biden becomes the nominee, uh, all bets are off. <laughs> or Pete Buttigieg. I don't know what's going to happen in that case. But, you know, I'm, I'm talking in terms of whether it's Elizabeth, whether it's Bernie. I think those supporters will come over. And if you feel demoralized by what you're seeing on Twitter, you can get off Twitter. Just don't go on Twitter. There are whole days that go by where I very deliberately close the tabs on my browser. Sometimes if I'm feeling extra spicy, I delete the apps from my phone. But like it becomes too much. And it's just a constant coverage too because we don't have normal elections in this country. We just constantly have election coverage, candidates running for office, and we never get a fucking break. So if you're feeling burnt out, your brain is responding correctly. <laughs> like It's too much coverage. So turn off the TV. Don't have CNN and MSNBC on in the background all day. Turn it off. Get off Twitter. Stop watching your friends fight. It makes me very sad. <laughs> Especially because I know it comes from a good place. Like, ultimately, what everybody is trying to do is support the candidate that they think will help the most people. And there's just a fundamental disagreement right now about which candidate that is. But nobody is trying, nobody is operating in, in bad faith unless, as I said before, th it seems like some people uh have made up their mind about a candidate and are looking for any way to support that belief including if like somebody with 50 followers is like i'm gonna say a mean thing to you and then they're like look at what the bernie sanders campaign stands for and it's like come on come on i know you're excited about your candidate but don't make shit up don't lie that sucks uh guys as always if you have any good news if i missed any good news item it's not because I'm trying to be a little jerk face and I don't care about your story. It's that I'm trying to curate stories from the entire week and sometimes I leave stuff out and it's not because I don't think it's important or, yeah, it, it doesn't mean that. It just means I forgot about it. So uh, you can always tweet us at Pod. I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Kilkenny. And listen... Update for over there. I got rid of the dollar a month support tier, um, mostly because Patreon wrote all of us and advised we do that because they take a cut from every transaction. And basically, I get like 50 cents for every dollar supporter I have. So it's really not worth it. And also, I think sometimes it just discourages people from signing up at the $5 a month level. So, but don't panic. If you were a dollar supporter, you're still a dollar supporter. It just means you got grandfathered in. So you can keep your support at a dollar. You don't have to upgrade to $5. Don't panic. Uh, just moving forward, 
If you are going to sign up at my Patreon, the bottom tier is now $5 a month. But guess what? If you sign up at the $5 a month level, you get to send questions into Light Trees and News, and I will prioritize you. So it's basically like a VIP status, if you will. So actually, I have to go post over there right now for more questions. I'm going to do that the second I stop recording. Oh my God, you guys, I just also paused to order breakfast. I'm starving. Is this what you guys want to listen to? You want to listen to me uh, talk about ordering bagels? Um, But, so as always, thank you for any level of support. I also hesitated to talk about that because I don't want the dollar supporters to feel bad. Any level of support is so appreciated. You keep this show going. Uh, You didn't hear a single commercial during this podcast, and that's because we're 100% listener supported. That's you guys. So you can go to lighttreason.news and smash the donate button to keep us going. You can go to my Patreon, sign up if you want to send questions or recommendations. We love getting recommendations from you guys. Turns out you're all a bunch of interesting, smart people, and you certainly consume more interesting media than I do. I just recommended The Stranger and Ma. So that's the level my tastes are at. But some of you are uh, much smarter, more interesting than me, and you're consuming more interesting things. So of course I want to hear from you. Oh my gosh. And as always, if you're a new listener, um, you don't just have to send one question. If you send one question and then a month goes by and you're like, oh, I want to ask another question. But I already asked a question. I can't ask another question. Allison's going to get mad at me. And then she's going to make fun of me on her podcast. I might make fun of you, but you're allowed to do that. So go over to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny and send those questions. Now, if you're listening and you're like, Allison, I'm, I can't afford to support you right now. Totally fine. Uh, never, ever, ever uh, become a member if it in any way compromises like your living or health situation. You got to pay rent. You got to pay for health care. You got to buy medicine. You do that. Um, but if you also have like an extra $5 a month, kick it over to old Allison here. And uh, But as I was saying, if you can't afford to do any of that, uh, we're on Twitter. And Twitter is <laughs> sadly the easiest way to reach me. So hashtag light trees and pod. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all of the social media. And yeah, did I have any other announcements? Oh yeah, over at Patreon, you can direct questions to co-hosts. I just can't guarantee when that co-host is going to be back on the show to answer it. So as long as you go in knowing like, uh, maybe they'll get to this, maybe they'll never get to this, maybe they'll get to this six months from now, as long as you're not uh, waiting with bated breath and you'll be <laughs> very disappointed if I don't get to it immediately, you can of course direct questions to Eric, um, if they're pen related, <coughs> I'm going to be furious, but I will convey the question to Eric. But I'm going to have an attitude about it the whole time. I'm going to make fun of everyone involved. And those are my rights as a podcasting host. Okay? I'm allowed to do that. Um, but of course, you can send questions for uh, whatever co host you would like. And guys, I'm going to call this episode a little early just because my voice is giving out rapidly and I have to go do a three-hour rehearsal. But I love you all very much. We'll be back next week with your weekly recap. Um, Yeah, hit us up. We also have an email, Light Treason. Oh, God, I always forget what it is. 
Is it lighttreesandnews at Gmail? Oh, no. So much pressure, and I can't ask somebody else to vamp because it's just me. Uh, lighttreesandnews at Gmail. That's what it is. And, uh, yeah, you can email us over there if you don't want to contact us on Twitter or anything. Um, totally understandable. You're a happy, adjusted human being, and you're not on social media. You can always email us as well. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. 